a long time ago on a comics page far, far away. Greetings and welcome to May the Panel Be With You, the Star Wars comic book show brought to you by the Punch-Up Entertainment Network. I am your humble host, Mike Gargoni, and joining me, as always, the Amaza to my Jackson the Lepus Carnivorous, it is John Campbell. Boy, you didn't know that that was going to be the power duo of this book, <laughs> did you? But, oh, boy. Oh, hello, everybody. Ah, we're back in the 70s, and it's so goofy. And yet, it feels right. We gave the 70s books up to this point so much shit. And we dip away for just yeah. four short yeah. issues. And suddenly, mm. this feels like a warm bath when I return to it. it. It does. And then pretty quickly, though, this bath got a little uh, tepid for me as I, as I realized what I was reading. I mean, here's the thing. I, I'll take this over, you know, checked out 90s, whatever. This is goofiness. But I will say... Boy, when I open up an issue of Star Wars, I hope I see none of my favorite characters. That's what I'm looking for. I don't want to see a single one of the classic heroes of Star Wars. John, We're villains! We got them all on a single splash page. Is that not good enough for you? Boy, that really does feel like you better put them in there somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> no, this this issue is nuts. And I I, I will say you you have you've read ahead a little bit on the show and and mm -hmm. and and kept up with some of this. I really do take it week by week and and don't look ahead at all. So, uh boy, this one threw me for a loop cuz I I I knew this character on the front, of course. Was this Valance? This is Valance, and he has just recently made a bit of a comeback in the current Marvel Star Wars comics. So yeah. seeing him in his first appearance here uh, can be a little jarring, seeing as this is still a 70s comic, and so the writing isn't exactly what I'd call uh, top tier. But I will say, the, the, in the favor of the 70s comic, this is the first good idea for a new character they've had. Sure. And it makes sense to me that Valance has continued because there are at least core ideas of him that are very interesting. Yes. Terminator, but what if Star Wars is a good elevator pitch. Terminator, but what if Star Wars, exactly. <laughs> uh, and that's great. And I have read some of the, I can't say I've kept up entirely on what he's been doing in the comics, but I have read uh, some of the comics uh, that he's that he's currently in, and, and I, I do like this character. So, And, and immediately, I will say, just when we go into the cover here, uh, immediately he's got a different vibe than the goofballs of uh, of pirates we've been facing. He does seem a little bit more threatening, does he not? Well, right off the bat, we've got a guy with a skull on his armor. And as we know, that might make him the baddie. <laughs> he could just be, who knows. Also, I gotta say, in a world of laser guns and stuff like this, this guy's got a bayonet on his rifle, and that is just needlessly nasty in Star Wars world. You don't see a lot of, like, knives like this in Star Wars. Yeah, I mean, you do, especially these days more and more with the Mandalorian. Sometimes you'll see vibroblades, right? You'll see the vibroblades, you'll yeah. see wep melee weapons with, like, that weird, like, vibrating shimmer around them. And that's a classic thing going back to, like, KOTOR vibroblades were a huge yeah. thing in Knights of the Old Republic. 
Um, and yeah, yeah, yeah. Paul Bettany uses them pretty cool in the uh, solo. Absolutely. Uh, so, but yes, you but rarely that, see just the standard non-sci-fi, just like I'm a stab you knife. Yeah, this guy's just coming out of nom, man. Look at him. He's he's coming out of the the, the the mud and he's gonna stab our character. We definitely have some like old school 70s and 60s Nick Fury vibes going on here too, with like the oh, white God, hair yeah. and just the, the chiseled jaw. And yeah, this guy could very easily come out of a Sergeant Rock comic. Absolutely. That's the thing. It is it is it's like they took one of their military or you know, this guy's like a Punisher villain, and they just put him in space armor mm-hmm. uh, or something like that. But, I mean, I guess it, just this whole uh, cover is like, uh, oh, this ain't your daddy's. Already it ain't your daddy's Star Wars. Well, and Because here comes a guy. Before we get too far ahead, I do want to say today, yes, we're covering not your daddy's Star Wars. It is issue number 16 of the 1977 Star Wars run. This particular issue was released October 1st, 1978. Uh, We've got uh, some creative teams, some familiar, some not so familiar. Because right off the bat, we've got Archie Goodwin as our writer. Uh, He's been, he's got his grips on this comic and he ain't letting go. But as a guest penciler this issue, we have the legendary Walter Simonson. And I, I, I think it's pretty good. I think the art is pretty consistent throughout mm-hmm. in a way that we haven't seen, I will say. Uh, and, and some of that is me probably just bowing down to the legend of this Simonson a little bit. But I will say, just in general, there's a, like, a sheen to this. It's not, it's not Simonson at his best, but there is a competent cohesion. Right. There, we're still a few years out from his like superlative run on Thor uh, that right. would come after this. Um, we've got Bob Wiesick on inks, and we've got Bob Sharon, a couple of Bobs over on colors, and uh, Denise Bob. Wool over on the letters. And still that James Shooter poking around as your consulting editor. Well, look, he's just I getting ready to start his iron-fisted rule over the House of Ideas. What, what, what if, I don't know, there was some sort of Beyonder or something. <laughs> uh, but yeah, you know we're in for it right off the bat in this cover because not only is this issue still 35 cents, which, oh, wow. <laughs> I know. I know. Remember when they made the jump from like uh, 3 to $4 and it was like, what? Yeah. <laughs> 35 cents. My God. But we have all of our favorite characters here as we are clearly told that death and destruction are his tools. The Star Warriors are his targets. And oh, the Star Warriors. While the Star Warriors could absolutely include Han Solo, Chewbacca the Wookiee, Luke Skywalker, maybe even 3PO and R2, there's a green rabbit on the cover here that might tip us off to the direction this book is going to go. Yeah, this is Jackson's book, man. I mean, let's be at this point, just call just free, call the thing Jackson. Star Wars colon Jackson. Let's do it. Let's just get because it is like, who is he hunting? None of the ones you want to see. It's going to be that rabbit. And man, I, the thing I was not prepared for is how much it is about that weird Magnificent Seven that Han Solo put together a few issues back. And already, we're on issue 16, and already they're going, remember those days? Remember those days? I mean, to be fair, that was like six months ago in comic book, in like real world time, so. Talking about it like, oh, the halcyon days of the past. Sure. Oh, when we were out there. You also have to remember this comes from an era of comic books in which it was never assumed that 
people would have access to the older issues, right? Oh, no, certainly, yeah. So they, the, every comic is someone's first comic Stan Lee quote. They could make a first issue here referencing something and make it sound like a lot more interesting and cool as something in the distant past that they're referencing that we don't necessarily well, have to actively engage with. Well, I also want to get in when we get into it, when we start talking about how much time has actually passed in story, because it's implied it's quite a bit. Right. Well, let's get into it, because we got our first page here, and yeah, we got our credits, we got James Shooter lurking there in the corner, and we start with The Hunter. I, I mean, like I said, I'm I'm on board with this guy. This, this guy comes from one of the comics I would read, for sure. He's got a crazy future gun. Um and I don't uh, even know how you're supposed to hold that gun. I am assuming he's doing it right. (laughs) Yeah, you grab it where, and the trigger is huh? Um, I don't know, but I yeah, and uh, and and he's got a whole cadre of Battlestar Galactica rejects as his army. (laughs) I I do love the opening like narration here. His name is Valance. He and the band of galactic mercenaries who follow him are bounty hunters. Yet, no one here has a price on their head. Valance pays for the raid himself. It is fitting he has come to destroy his own past. A lot happening in a few, you know, little brackets of info there. Because, uh, number one, this is the first we're really hearing about bounty hunters, at least on, like, a larger scale than just the bounty that's on Han, right? I mean, the Uh, first time the movies really engage with bounty hunters is Empire Strikes Back, right? When you have that on the bridge of the Super Star Destroyer and the Imperial captain or officer there goes bounty hunters we don't need their scum the the thing that captured every star wars fan's imagination with like 30 seconds of film when they have those bounty hunters assembled and all of it's so brief that they have those bounty hunters on the on the ship mm-hmm. and yet it's like uh, every, we were all like what are these guys deal and, and literally I read about them forever none of their names are said and i could name all of no. them <laughs> yeah I, yeah exactly <laughs> I mean, what the most you get out of them is like Boss going, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and like Boba Fett reacting slightly when Vader says no disintegration. Yeah, it's like the smallest, like, hmm. <laughs> and we're just like, that's my favorite character in the whole franchise, man. Because <laughs> he, but this, okay, so right off the bat, yeah, we're introducing bounty hunters, which is also very westerny, right? Mm-hmm. The sort of yeah. the bounty hunter. Um, and then two, we're, we're, we're being introduced to this guy who we've established there are bounty hunters, but this guy's a psycho even amongst them. He's just a murderer. I mean, when you end a sentence with no survivors, there is rarely a context in which that is a good thing to say. Best now, I want a clean sweep. No survivors. I mean, Valance is totally like, it's so interesting that he, he is very of the seventies. You talk about the, 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 the Nick Fury, the Punisher of this era and stuff like that. But he definitely has a kind of a 90s edge to him, right? This guy in Cable could hang out. Oh, this guy's got some big Cable vibes, absolutely. Especially 90s Cable. Oh, God, yeah. I mean, when by the end of this thing, I'm like, he just full-on is proto-Cable. A little bit, yeah. Uh, I and But, so, yeah, so we get we get all this um, it's massacring, and I will say you're like, okay, all right, Star Wars comic, this is a different flavor. Right. I mean, this second page here, we have like four consecutive panels of people telling him, this is a peaceful place with no weapons. What are you doing? And he's like, I don't care. Kill I'm them all. Kill everyone. And specifically, we get, uh, starting with this, 
uh, his big thing that this guy is a straight up droid racist, man. Oh, he hates droids. Junk, he calls yeah. them. They're junk. Shut up, junk. Uh, and and then anyone who would befriend this junk, they got it coming. I mean, too. yeah, he, he is like ultra racist in the f- point that like anyone who even associates with a droid is on the top of his list. Well, we'll get because we'll get to his problems with Luke Skywalker later, and it's like eh, kind of stuff about the Empire, but mainly that he's friends with droids. I don't even think he has anything to do with the Empire. Not really. Like there's a passing interest in the bounty on Han Solo, but that's posted by Jabba thought, the Hutt. I thought there was the backstory about him being a stormtrooper, though. Sure, but that doesn't seem relevant to his current mission because they left him to die. That's true. It is interesting. Yeah, I'm not even sure this guy has political motivations other than <laughs> droid lovers. Ah. We'll get into it, but his fixation on Luke later in this book is like verging on the ridiculous. It, it also, it comes out of nowhere because they have no association. And Luke is... At least from what this guy would know, no more a droid lover than any of our, of our other heroes, right? Like, uh, yeah, I, we'll get into it as we get there. But yeah, so they're mowing through this, what is, we find out is a medical station. He's shooting down droids. He's cutting up data computers. He's gunning down just rando scientists. He's making sure yeah, this man. place burns to the ground. <laughs> For once again... His own joy. Right. Because on this next page, we have this scientist telling him, just like, this is a data computer. What are you doing? And he's like, I know exactly what this place is as he continues to shoot. And yeah, what? And then, oh boy, I mean, I will say this this got a little trippy for me on the, on this next page when we get to old man in the bed, uh, who, of course, is a uh, little did we know is our is our old friend. P-boy, was it Don Quixote? Don Juan Quixote. Don Juan Quixote. Oh, yeah, that's right. I'm sorry. He's two literary characters in one. Who could forget? Don Juan Quixote. Um, Who has, once again, how much time has passed? Because he has slipped hard into convalescence. Well, John, this is a thing that can happen to comic book characters when they get retconned from dying to surviving. That can really take a toll on a person's constitution. So clearly there are some after effects from him suddenly being alive after issue number nine. <laughs> it's so wild. I, I was dead, and then the next month I was alive again. Mm-hmm. wild. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it takes a toll. There's a whole run about uh, of She-Hulk about this, actually. I, oh yeah, well yeah, no. There, there are <laughs> comics that actually do deal with this in a serious way because it actually is a thing in comics now. But uh, but yeah, the, all of a sudden he's like, uh, and I don't remember him having quite this beak on him. Uh, my God, and the fingernails—he's like later days Howard Hughes here. <laughs> and like we don't even really get his mustache because it's all flesh tone, uh, but it's sort of there. Right, yeah. There's some coloring errors and, in this page. Yeah. There are, but also, oh my god, Archie Goodwin, this plotting of these two happen to hear him mumbling about Han Solo, that that sets in motion our whole plot. I I like that in his, like, dementia-ridden mumblings, he literally spells out everyone's name, exactly, like, what they were doing and their association with each other, and the thing that sets off everything... (laughs) Is his last little sentence that says, the boy and his droid. 
That could be any boy and droid. <laughs> I literally but a yeah. galaxy full of people with droids. I mean, they have to jump to Han Solo, droid, boy, Luke Skywalker, done. Well, to be fair, uh, they do also have the added clue of Han Solo and the association that, there. That is, that is uh, 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 and, and also he's got to say his own name, too. <laughs> right. You bring me my lightsaber, then Don Juan Quixote is ready. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so we got oh, the bounty hunters who overhear this, here. telling Valance, like, "Hey, I think we're onto something." Didn't we hear that yeah. Jabba the Hutt offered a huge bounty for Han Solo? Hey, uh, didn't we hear some exposition a while back somewhere in the book or something? No, I'm. We'll get to it later in this issue. I'm fairly certain all of these bounty hunters and Valance specifically have seen the first Star Wars movie. Well, later there's a there's talk about a pirated tape. Yeah, of like everything that happened on the first Death Star. I hate that movie. Uh, <laughs> but look at this last panel of Valens here with his like squinty. Uh, I mean, they, they're, yeah, that's right. We're going to get that on Solo. Yeah. Oh, I swear. That's right. Uh, all right. So, yeah. And, 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 and stupid, naive me and probably naive kids of the 1970s going... Um, is Han Solo going to be in this book at any point? No, a much more kid-friendly character, because next we're going to cut to a ship far off in the distance, and who's this? It's our two favorite characters, Jackson the Green Rabbit and Amaza of the legendary Black Hole Gang. Oh my god. Uh, yeah, it's 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 uh, off-brand Bugs Bunny and Mae West are hanging out. Um, <laughs> boy, the Bugs Bunny shit later really... Uh, we'll talk about, but holy God. Yeah. Uh, so it turns out that Jackson and Amaza have stayed teamed up together after their adventures on a Duba mm-hmm. three. And they have, are now just like out in the galaxy, trolling around together. They're getting their ship repaired somewhere. And Jackson's like, Hey, I'm going to go have a night on the town. Want to come with Amaza? And Amaza's like, no, thanks. You're weird. <laughs> and then he says, Hey, she's not, what's his line about like cute lady, even if she doesn't have fur. Don't like when they get into the sexuality of Jackson. I, I, I'll, I'll say it now. Look, John, I know you're not going to want to hear this, but <laughs> there is a long and proud tradition of furry culture that needs to be recognized oh. in this book. <laughs> and they were way ahead of it here. They had their finger uh, on the future pulse. It's No, 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 because it started with Disney's Robin Hood, so it's already begun oh, at this already, point. It, it, this, this is it creeping into mainstream right, culture. Correct. Right, yeah. <laughs> oh, when people talk about that Disney Robin Hood, you know, hey, man, enjoy what you're going to enjoy. I just, maybe I don't need to hear about it. I'm just saying they made Marion was real hot, and there was a busty <laughs> chicken in that movie. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> and then Zootopia just, Fired. Oh, I mean, Zootopia knew exactly what it was doing. You know what you're doing, Disney. <laughs> uh, you know who you're. Um, and so, all right. So we go to the next bit. So yeah. So he's walking away oh. into this. The, the, sorry. Yeah. This panel where he walks away is real weird and artsy. I mean, it's very much setting up that like Jackson is a classic neo noir hero, right? <laughs> he's wandering off down a dark alley, shaded in silhouette. The original Black Sad. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Jackson. Uh, another book that like fully engages with fully furry culture. It does. Uh, that's also really good, though. Yes. <laughs> Black Sad is amazing. Yeah. Uh, uh, Jackson, Black Sad is not. 
Uh, no, no, no. <laughs> uh, so when they drop, so they're gonna on the next page they drop a net on him, and immediately no, no, John, that- an electro net. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. You're right. That that's way too. <laughs> it's space. That actually. Yeah, but also I don't. Uh, the only reason it's an electro net is because of this spark. The one, this one panel spark that I guess is this implying the electro nature of the net. This top middle panel is and the gutters around it are doing a lot of work in terms of what happens in between them. Like Jackson gets a net thrown over him, he is then knocked unconscious, tied up, hung upside down, and uh, strung up by this band of goons, whose names yeah. we have to address here because this book. We've talked about like the cognitive dissonance that goes into Jackson as a character, being that he is an alien species that resembles what we would know as a rabbit, and yet everyone acknowledges the rabbit nature of him as though I rabbits mean, are a commonly think... addressed thing. Yeah, when they drop the net on him, he goes, what in the holy hutch? Come on, come on, Because rabbit man. hutches and like, so... Right, Yeah. right, yeah, good lord. But then immediately, okay, then it's like, all right, so there's already the cognitive dissonance you're talking about between he's a rabbit. But now he's an anthropomorphized sort of cartoon rabbit. So obviously that leads us to the most famous of those, Bugs Bunny. Mm-hmm. And uh, instead of just sort of like going like, yeah, 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 we can have multiple rabbits. It's just like, no, he just kind of is Space Bugs Bunny now. Because we have a couple of these goons who have strung him up referring to each other as Fud and Daffy. I believe it's food and Duffy. No, uh, <laughs> Warner Brothers. Uh, no, yeah. When they when they said when they said, uh, "Can I hurt him now?" Right, Fud. I went, "Fud, what the?" And then when the next panel is, "Ah, oh, Daffy, what the? Come on!" I mean, that's just right. That's that's bad. That is objectively bad impulse on on your part. On the right, on Archie Goodwin's part, right? Yeah, that's because on, that's all Archie. And look, maybe. There is enough wiggle room here that, like, okay, it's a quick wink and a nod. I get it. But, again, we're, like, if we're taking this book seriously, which I assume we're supposed to at this point. I'm starting to think that might be a bad assumption. Yeah, I guess, you know, maybe you're right. This is a children's (laughs) comic book from the 70s for what was ostensibly a kid's movie. And that's the thing that's so interesting, though, is they saw this movie that was hugely popular with kids and thought, no. We can go kiddier. <laughs> well, because we can make it even more aimed at children, believe it or not. I mean, Looney Tunes were really big at this time as well. Sure. sure. I mean, I'll say, even be, the fun Daffy, obviously. But as soon as he wakes up, he goes, uh, I'd ask what's up, guys. But I feel like I am. Yeah. Okay. You are a dock away mm-hmm. from a legally <laughs> actionable thing. <laughs> Look, if anyone at Warner Brothers was paying attention to what was going on at this comic book over at Marvel. Well, here's the that's the crazy thing. Now, of course, everybody's on this, but at this time, Warner Brothers doesn't have time to think about what the hell some dumb space comic, even based on this popular movie, is like Warner Brothers is high and mighty. Now Warner Brothers would sue anybody for any reason ever because they are <laughs> They are Warner Brothers right now. So, uh. but uh, just just to be clear, our character of Fud is a large potato man, and Daffy yeah. is a weird like twig alien. I don't know how to describe him. Yeah, I, I, those I don't know quite where those fit into the. Uh, uh, I guess they're kind of Looney Tunes esque in terms of like sort of like a wrinkly old guy and duck, but you know whatever. Um, yeah. I do want to say I'm going to start throwing out this new insult, which is blow it out, you retros. 
which makes sense to me because like your retro rockets would be like the ones on right. the outside, right? Like it, it makes sense. It's just an odd turn of phrase because you can't say "blow it out your ass." This is a kids comic. Yeah, no, this is not Howard the Duck, right. um, which, by the way, is the better version of Jackson, right? Uh, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. Uh, so, all right, we go to the next page, and uh, Amaza saves him with a well-placed wrap. I do love a good wrap, right to the kidneys, as this twig <laughs> monster goes down. I will say there is, you know, this is still early Simonson, but there are some good poses. There was also an exploding droid earlier that are like, ooh, pretty good. If there is one thing Simonson can do incredibly well, it is large explosions and, like, energy blasts. And, like, yeah. they're all over his Thor book. But, like, you even see some of that here with, like, the particle effects in the wrap that's happening here in the top left panel. Well, look at, look at when she's, when she's like, uh, I guess, is, is the is this is, like, rapid fire that she's doing here in the middle panel? She, she's fanning her laser gun. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of that in here, and then later also with Valance's powers, too. I feel like there's some good uh, classic Simonson energy blast stuff, which I do love. Absolutely. Uh, so, uh, uh, yeah, Amaza gets all but one of them, and mm -hmm. then she, despite not being a delirious old man, also reiterates exactly what happened to them back in issues 8 through 9 in passing dialogue mm -hmm. to Jackson, who's still tied up, which leaves the one surviving thug the ability to take this information and escape yep i mean the, the the big thing in valance's favor is everybody keeps telling them all the information they need um, it's not that valance is a particularly is good too? hunter so everyone else is really dumb yeah <laughs> man it's pretty easy to hunt people if everybody just tells you everything about them who all their <laughs> friends are and where they live um all right so let's go jackson and uh amaza fly back to boy it wouldn't be too long, folks, till we're always drawn back to a Duba 3. This is be quickly becoming the Tatooine of the comic book series. <laughs> it was the Tatooine of its day. Uh, um, can we just address the fact that Jackson's spaceship is called the Rabbit's Foot, too? Yep. 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 So that would once be again, like a human with a ship named Ape Knuckle. I don't know. <laughs> but, but it's also just this continuing thing about, like, He's an alien who's also a rabbit, and rabbit's foots are also lucky in this world, right? Like, I mean, I guess is the idea. I mean, it's or at least the idea that a rabbit's foot has meaning beyond just being, as you're saying, I called my ship hand. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. But, like, at least the Millennium Falcon is so much of a, like, a non sequitur to mm -hmm. both the words within the title and the fact that, like, okay, I guess falcons are a thing in the Star Wars universe, but we don't have a yeah. falcon man driving it, so... <laughs> no, that would be the that would be the thing, right? Is is in this comic, Han Solo would be part falcon, at least, right? Um, <laughs> well, who's to say he's not? Yeah, that's true, actually. I'm still waiting on that. We've got a lot of issues of this left. <laughs> um, so back we go to Aduba 3. Uh, apparently years have passed, and, and yet uh, Jim has not changed his outfit once ever. I don't know if years have passed. Okay, because this is where we get, like, this. A these pages here is, yeah, where we get our weird time jump, like, questions. Because we yeah. meet back up with John's favorite character, Jim Starkiller. Jimum. Jimum, with two M's. Uh, yep. He, who stayed behind on a Duba 3 after Han's Magnificent 6, uh, got out of here. Han's okay six. Uh, <laughs> uh, but 
Jim's like, why would bounty hunters be after me? I'm literally worthless. And everyone's like, yeah, we agree. It sounds weird. Yeah. You're the worst character in this book. I don't know what anybody's. uh... But we find out that the village leader's daughter, Mary, who uh, Sergi X was trying to kidnap in those issues. And who also kind of flirted around and kissed Han a little bit, too. Yeah, but who's not kissing Han? Come on. That's true, man. There's not a character in this book who doesn't kiss Han by the end of it. Um, <laughs> but they're expecting their first baby. So we can presume that some amount of time has passed, probably a number of months at least. I mean, she's not showing at all. Now, to be fair, I don't know the biology of the Aduba 3 people. Though, this is so, true. Uh, so I don't know. I also don't know about gestation periods. I also don't know about courting periods because they're also... Married at this point too, and I don't really know. Is that a fast engagement or or was this I a mean, shotgun wedding type of scenario where we found out the baby was well, on the way and then they had to get married? I was gonna say maybe those two thoughts go right together mm-hmm. there. Um <laughs> what we don't see is the this guy off panel of father going, son of a bitch. Look, I still uh, know my old man's chant to make that monster come back. You better marry my daughter. <laughs> you wanna see off brand Godzilla come back? <laughs> <laughs> uh all right. <laughs> So, uh, so we, yeah, we have those characters reunited. Then on the next page, we cut back to our villain, Valance. Uh, Valance, who we now get the backstory of, or at least parts of the backstory, because yeah. his ship, which, boy, does it just look like somebody threw a dart at a dartboard for of like full of different ship parts and said, okay, it's going to have yeah. a real pointy nose and like a little bit of a wide back end, but it's going to have one engine that's only on the left side of the ship. And then it's going to have a nail file on the right side for some reason. It's crazy because you, you I, I'm, I'm going, is it possible for something to be over and under designed at the same time? And that <laughs> is what the ship feels like to me. I mean, the, the point of the front almost feels like it's not attached. <clears throat> yeah, it's a real weird ship design. And, it, and it's doing this thing because it's coming at the, at the you know, the reader. But it's doing this thing where it's also kind of getting warped because it's supposed to be moving. So it's just, I, it's weird. It's not good. Yeah. Uh, but it's time to review the tape. Gather around, everyone. Valens has a tape to show you. Get that VCR card in here. Uh, but before we view the tape... Uh, we get Valance's backstory told in four panels uh, with a bunch of captions that uh, yet Valance's own mind drifts back to his last moments serving the Empire on an outworld skirmish. Moments before his career as a stormtrooper officer was ruthlessly cut short. Yeah, it was ended by a rebel uh, serial torpedo. It's a torpedo that repeats. Yeah. <laughs> It won't stop attacking us. No. Uh, he See. survived the blast. Uh, and so they left him to die. He barely survived. And, and then uh, they had enough care to drop him off at a medical station to die. At least if he's going to die, he's going to do it with the best care possible. I mean, yeah, dude, we're in the middle of combat. How much, how far do you want them to go for you, really? I mean, they weren't having this combat at Telos 3. They dropped him, or Telos 4, they dropped him off there. So, like, they cared enough, and they had to continue the mission. They couldn't wait around for him to get better, so they left. But he makes it sound like they just left him to die at the world's best hospital. (laughs) I I think Valance has got some issues. Oh, you think? think (laughs) There's no question this guy is, uh, he's a little woe is me, right? He's a Mm. little, um... 
There's a little bit like, yeah, that's right. They left me to die. And this guy likes robots. And, oh, I just hate the world so much. I mean, this guy is a message board away from being an angry troll online. Let's be honest. I mean, look, the last line on this page says it all. It says, bitterly, Valens punches the tape into the player and waits to feel the hate. (laughs) He is going to hate watch Star Wars, you guys. (laughs) That's what he does on the next page, is we're told he has a tape that is an Imperial transmission that or he has an illegal dupe of an imperial transmission so he has a pirated version of star wars that he gets to watch i got this at a convention uh <laughs> it, it's it's clearly recorded in the theater the camera like stays on the screen but shakes a little bit at certain points when people get up out of their seats i also like a, a, an imperial transmission that details the incredible so what is this like Tonight on Empire Dateline, we're talking about the rebels who destroyed the Starbase. You know, <laughs> the way the way it is described, it just sounds like he's watching A New Hope. It really it does. Really, well, I mean, look, he's 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 they're, they're playing out. Here you go. Previously on Star Wars, all the scenes from that movie you kids like, right? Right. And for some reason, Vader's lightsaber is green, and Obi Wan's is yellow as they clash. And Obi-Wan's wearing a green cloak. I mean, like, it's... And look at... Also, Vader has pants. Huh. Look at that. He's got, like, bell bottoms. Yeah, I don't know how I feel about Vader with pants. <laughs> about, about to hit the clubs, I just bought these new slacks. Do you think the ladies will like them? Vader doesn't walk. Vader struts. <laughs> feel the city shaking and everybody's breaking because I'm staying alive. <laughs> I just saw this fancy new movie, Saturday Night Fever. I'm a big fan of the BGS. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, <clears throat> that could have been an hour. So I'll just, uh, <laughs> no, the, yeah, the design of everything about this is weird, and this does feel like, guys, you got to have at least one page with all the Star Wars characters in it, right? But this last dialogue box, or this last caption box here is really what drives home that, like, Valance might have some, like, is not all there. Yeah. Because it says, but it was the boy who fired Valance's fury, for his part was done with the cooperation, indeed, the friendship of two droids. Look, they all conspired to destroy the Death Star. But that one guy was friends with some robots, and that won't fucking stand. (laughs) And on the next page, we get Valance's, but Valance's revulsion that any human would willingly ally themselves with junk only grows. Watching this tape and just like swallowing his vote. Oh, oh God, I can't. Oh, it just steams me so much, man. But one's gold and one's a trash can. Friends with them, they're not things. They're (laughs) junk. They're junk, I tell you. (laughs) Uh, He would really not handle that uh, droid revolt scene in Solo well, would he? Mm -hmm. I'd be more uh, curious to know what he thought of the uh, the Separatists during the the Clone Wars. Yeah, not thrilled about that. Yeah, I gotta assume. Junk! Though, something we don't establish is where this hatred actually comes from, and we don't even really get the answer to that in this issue, so if we get more of this character, hint, we will. Uh, I'd be curious to know if we explore this a little bit, but here it just really feels like over-the-top, bordering on insane levels of racism. Yeah, 
Well, and here we get him in his. Uh, I love him uh, very much, like he's wearing the Nick Fury shield outfit, but with some um, football pads. Yeah. Look, if you're going to be a cable knockoff, you need shoulder pads, right? It's true. It's true. And, and this then guy I love predates cable, so it does predate cable. So I think we're seeing where that all came from. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the I love in the uh, in the middle here. There's the uh, on the on the right side of the page. There's two panels, and there's just one guy who gets spotlighted in the foreground. And this like purple guy is like, I'm trying to put this thing together, but uh, <laughs> yeah, which, which part goes in? Here? I just really appreciate a comic book that gives us a panel showing somebody putting shoes on. You just never, you see, never it. see it. Yeah. No, he's yeah, he's pulling up the boots, man. Yeah, no, I really, I, I, I really appreciate that because like everyone in comic books always has like really overwrought, complicated costumes or costumes that look like skin with a different paint job on top of it, yes. right? Yeah, yes, or some combination of those two things. And showing a guy actually like putting on, like you never see Captain America putting pulling up his pirate boots. <laughs> Hold on, Bucky, I just have to put these boots on. God. Damn it! The strap won't go to the thing. The, yeah. the the fold over the top of the the ankle part is so you don't see the strap that holds the boot up. And like if you if the sock gets below the strap, it starts to itch on the skin. It's terrible. He, he does it. He's like, oh no, that, that doesn't look right at all. <laughs> no, it's gonna be just the Red Skull. He can wait. I just gotta... uh, yeah. Uh, so what are the, so obviously. Uh, Valance's crew are not droids because he hates them. But what are these guys? They've got like weird breather masks and they're aliens. I mean, we've seen aliens with that use like weird robot bits so they can adapt to different atmospheres. I mean, that, well, that's nothing uh, new we go to the, in Star Wars. And we even see it in the cantina scene in A New Hope. You, you, you do. It's just they're, they're kind of the design of them is kind of like, you know, if this guy hates like droids they, so much, you'd think anyone with artificial bits would like tick him off as well, yeah. Yeah, I, I would expect his crew to be all sort of humanoids, and um, uh, do love this three-eyed alien on the next page. What is he doing around here? Yeah, on the next page. Well, he's clearly didn't put his seatbelt on because uh, they are trying to get down to a do with three because it seems like these guys are working under the information that. They're hunting Han Solo for the bounty. Valance also wants right. to kill Luke Skywalker because he's a racist. And right. they're working under the assumption that Jim Starkiller, who they are not aware of as like a person, because why would you be, is Luke Skywalker. Yeah, this is a little bit where the story really starts to get kind of muddled for me. And like, a, so they're making some big jumps here. Uh, I do like the line where they talk about Valance, uh, uh, swiftly shouted order is just as swiftly obeyed as saves the ship, if not the dignity of his crew, as they all go, Wow! Right. Look, if you're not strapped in as you start taking fire in a spaceship, you're going to go flying around a little. This is true. Look at any episode of Star Trek where they still, to this day, do not have seatbelts on those ships. I know, right? Uh, I I do love this little line here when Valance is saying those independent star hoppers always modify their ships. You can't judge them by official classifications. Like this guy knows enough about his shit that like he knows that weird star hoppers. Yes, I'm going to use that term now. Uh, Marvel is really trying to make that happen, aren't they? <laughs> are going to have ships that like aren't standard, aren't regular. And the fact that we like even have a dropped line of sci-fi gobbledygook to acknowledge that is fun to me. 
I, I do like that. Uh, I don't understand why his hairline receded for that one panel. Oh, because he's going so fast. <laughs> Woo! It just goes back. Uh, <laughs> it also knocked the gray then, out of his temples. Yeah, yes, it did. Yes. <laughs> That's how fast they're moving. Uh-huh. Uh, and so Jackson and Amaza are flying off here. Uh, gotta love a casual Jackson with that murky little look going. <laughs> I love the way Simonson draws Jackson because a it's consistent and b like it gives him less of a like cartoonish look and more of kind of a sinister like puppet look. I don't know if that makes sense. He does. He does feel more tactile as opposed to yeah the cartoon. I I agree in the in in the Simonson way and and you know animal creatures and and monsters and stuff will certainly be a part of uh future simons and stuff so there's a whole bit uh, where he has thor as a frog so yeah who could forget though actually thor? i don't think simonson's actually never. drawing the book at that point but it, either way yeah i mean it's still conceptual though whatever yeah, i think that's silvestri at that point uh I but he's still right, right oh yeah uh, I mean, do, do yourself a favor. Go read the, if you haven't read the Simons and Thor stuff. Good lord, that's that's some of the like you have to, you know. I mean, like it is a classic of uh, Marvel comics of just like in terms of definitive bits of character yeah. history. If you have any interest in Thor, uh, Walter Simonson did a run of Thor in the eighties that was superlative and set down a lot of groundwork for what we consider like modern day Thor aesthetics and storytelling when it comes yeah. to a lot of stuff. Uh, uh, so yeah. All right. So we get, we get some space battles here once again, great ship explosion. Simonson looking good, man. Yeah. And also even, though, even the, even though the ship designs are kind of the, I think the turrets on the guns look cool. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Though I will say uh, the shape of, uh, Valance's ship, which we never actually get a name for, I don't think. Um, I don't believe so, which is interesting because they always are naming ships. The, the the shape of the ship is changing pretty consistently over the course of some of these panels. Like, if we go back a page, we see Valance's ship, like, flying into explosion and him zooming around. Uh, I'm pretty sure that's the rabbit's foot on that third panel down. And then we... I yeah, it's a little. It's this is a little wonky on the page here. Point. I'm pretty sure in the top left panel when we have this V room, that's the rabbit's foot, and then we cut mm-hmm. back to Valance's ship, and that's his big turret. And then I'm pretty sure this bottom fourth panel here is Valance's ship chasing the rabbit's foot, but it like it's now much longer than I thought it was before. Yeah, there's some inconsistency with the designs uh, of the ships between pan, especially like the size of them and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, also, so many laser blasts and a great villain. I want that ship! Oh, yeah. You know he's serious when he has two exclamation points on there. Ah. Ah, and it's all squiggly. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, so let's go to the next and, page. Uh, the Jackson has a line that's like, Cripes, think of how many steaks I could have buy for that plating, for what that plating will cost. Implying because he's a Lepus carnivorous, he eats yeah, meat. Let's, let's not forget, he's not like the rabbits you know. Mm-hmm. He likes uh, a well-done steak. But they shoot down the rabbit's foot. It goes back down onto a Duba 3. Is this too much for the kids who love Jackson? Now he's in danger. I just don't. I, I, My heart can barely handle the excitement here. And uh, Valance has got a smug look on his face with old 3-Eye, his buddy, as he says... 
Good. Looks like we hit him just hard enough. I wanted him down, but intact. The Empire will pay for bodies, but not unrecognizable crisps. The the juxtaposition of having a cartoon rabbit and then this murderous psycho <laughs> yeah. in the same book <laughs> is so wild. <laughs> Star Wars is capable of a lot of tones, but the violent shifts in tone unrecognizable crisps that is hard boiled sir you have frank castle the punisher on one end you have literally bugs bunny on the other yeah, yeah and how those two interact is something of i don't know i'm i i really like this issue personally i think it's really fun the juxtaposition between those two tones i'm not a fan of some of the like little bits they do with jackson i think it's a little too winky yeah. but like I honestly, like overall, and we'll get to into more of like why I like the character Jackson. I do like Jackson. Oh, you and I are not on the same page about that. So send your emails accordingly. Um, but uh yeah, just the idea though, it's like there better be something left for that rabbit that I can right. collect it from. Good lord. Mm-hmm. Uh and then uh, you know, uh uh the the Archie Goodwin is not as um, flowery with the prose as Roy Thomas, but I do. You've got the as a hawk pursues a sparrow, the light cruiser follows its prey. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we've got Valance ship landing near the crash site. They've got this kind of like oasis because no, the rest of Aduba three that we've seen has been mostly barren wasteland, a la Tatooine, with like a few little sparse bits of green in the farming. Uh, areas mm-hmm. but this is like a grassland that they've crashed in and so on this next page we have suddenly an ambush from the tall grass as Amaza and Jackson light up the uh, coming bounty hunters and then okay. Jim Starkiller hey, hey. alright look at these bounty hunters though. they're at least part mechanical right look at their legs they're wearing armor it's fine I don't know I'm just saying I think this guy's a hypocrite oh you think <laughs> based on what we know yeah. about the end of this book yeah 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 obviously there's a lot of self-loathing in here uh and remember if the boy's aboard he's mine except for i, I just hope it's the boy i'm thinking of and not a different one who's been confused in this whole kerfuffle speaking of jim starkiller he's hiding uh, in the tall grass he sure is uh, I kind of like this next sequence in the tall grass with the banthas. It's very old westerny. Yeah, because we have Jim hiding in the small gra- in the tall grass, and as Amaza and Jackson are distracting the bounty hunters, he fires off a blast that echoes across the plains and triggers a bantha stampede. I like that. Like I said, that feels very much like an old western movie, and you had the buffalo and the banthas are appropriately sized here, unlike we've seen inconsistent bantha design. Yeah, and I'm just gonna say, bantha stampede is my nerf herder cover band. Oh, as it should be. <laughs> Good not to use. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, I do like. We do get a guy his helmet is coming off, and he's like, ah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, we have a, a Tuscan Raider down there at the bottom of the panel for some reason. Don't worry about it. Yeah, that doesn't make any sense, but okay. That's fine. Uh, I do like on the next page, you know, it is it is a book for kids. It is a 70s Marvel book. I like just the helmet and, like, mask crash to imply the murder that happened in here. 
Oh, I mean, it's very much stated out loud that like, okay, I think the Banthas killed them all. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing is one by one, Valence's bounty hunters have the misfortune to discover the the danger of these things. But I like that once again, it's 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 indication of of a of a very smart visual storyteller there to go like, okay, here's what I can show you to show you chaos and carnage without actually showing it right i mean we do see a smoking corpse in the second panel on this page oh, but... well, all right. <laughs> but i like his art i just want this guy to be like please i'm still alive yeah uh, well because uh we have one last guy getting shot by a maze uh, down at the bottom of this page and as he's getting shot we have valence thinking to himself that was slisk who we established earlier in the book is kind of his second in command though he doesn't yeah really Oh, no, not Slisk. Yeah, uh, but Valen's saying, that fool should have stayed hidden. But while their attention's on him, I can. And on the next page, he gets cornered by the three amigos. I don't see Chevy Chase Martin short or Steve Martin in this. Okay. Um, Steve Martin is clearly a Mesa, white hair and everything. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Ch Chevy Chase, 100% Jackson. Oh yeah, yeah. And Martin Short is Jim Starkiller. Come on, Jim, yeah, Jim Starkiller. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's, that's easy. It uh, gives itself. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, we do get our our moment here, and oh my God, Jim Starkiller is just like, what, what if uh, Luke Skywalker, but uh, no pants? <laughs> Look, we already know the people of this world need to wear as little on their thighs as possible. That is true across the gender spectrum, and I respect them for it. We cannot be encumbered by things on our thighs. All right, you guys? But never will I ever consider getting rid of the bucket hat and goggles combo. No, right? 100%. It ties the whole look together. <laughs> and I do, oh my God, it's so hard not, I mean, I don't even think they're, when I say it's so hard not to, they obviously want me to read Jim Starkiller uh, uh, as, a, as a hick. Because uh, you've got Valen still going, you're the boy who fought in Han Solo's group here, but you're not the one on the Death Star transmission tape. I don't even know what that is. <laughs> I love you? some guy being mistaken for Luke Skywalker. is like, I don't even know what a Luke Skywalker is. <laughs> what the millennium? What? I mean, Jim Starkiller is so much the knockoff toy you see imported from, like, South Korea, oh, wow, yeah. right? That just, like, has, it is from, like, Space Battle, and it just says, Jim Starkiller. <laughs> yeah. You just squint, and you're like, I guess. He's kind of like Luke Skywalker. Mm -hmm. And then, boy, <laughs> Balance does not take this news well. Yeah, he kind of has an epic freakout. <laughs> that panel of this just no background and just him going because <laughs> jim says your dot dot and then valance freaks out after the wrong boy between my obsession and the crew's greed we did this all for nothing valance drops oh, his empty blaster and laughs long and hard empty blaster is also an issue we've talked about the idea that like a, a blaster could lose charge but the idea or something like but the idea that it has ammo and is now empty is fascinating to me yeah and uh, look 
technically the lasers fired by blasters in the Star Wars universe are superheated bolts of plasma and the charge packs that you load into them are full of like super condensed gas and that's what's being fired by the blaster and so those can run empty it's just never addressed in the movies because they're lasers and why would you address something that like that it's just yeah and yeah I don't know anyway um, but, uh, I just love, it's just like, God, we didn't do any investigative work and I'm pissed about it. Well, cause no, he's not even pissed. He's just like, we did this all for nothing. And he kind of starts to lose it. Cause it says he laughs. He starts laughing at how absurd all of this is. And, and then fires an energy beam out of his hand. Right. Well, then and that is. <laughs> The most Simonson panel, right? Oh, the Dak. That Zadak as like a huge burst of energy with just the faint outline of his hand in the middle of the energy. It's so superhero-y and it comes out of nowhere, both in the story and uh, in the comic book. Reading this last night, I was like, whoa, wait a minute. This guy's got powers? Yeah. I had forgotten his whole deal. But yeah, the, it's just, but it's just like, okay. But also, if he can do this, I'm going, why were you ever using a blaster? To not admit to himself what he is, which is a cyborg, which we find out in the next couple of pages here. Cyborg. Because he Uh, he fires this blast out of his hands just as he stops laughing, taking everyone by surprise, including the reader. Enough. Solo's droid-loving young companion is somewhere in this galaxy. A galaxy which is so such a big thing. And you three won't stop... stand between me and finding him. Why does he want Luke Skywalker so badly? We don't I know. will kill that kid for being friends with robots. <laughs> it will not stand. <laughs> but it, this doesn't actually kill anybody because we see Jackson and everybody go flying. Well, because we the caption says reflexes send them diving out of the main blast. So it's fine. That's right. They, they, they missed that. And then, okay, we'll go to the last page here. The the weird look at the 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 like leaping run he's doing up onto the ship there. Ha ha This guy does not seem like a guy who would be like, and back to my ship. <laughs> Yeah, and we we get the establishment here is like, but they scarcely far enough to be in any shape to halt the bounty hunter as he charges into his now crewless ship and blasts away mm-hmm. towards the just, stars. He can run this. I mean, that's a fairly big ship. He can just run that on his own with no crew. It's because he's a robot man. He's a, he is a robot man, as we're about to find out. And then uh, we leave the, the Jim Jackson and Amazer just going like. Well, I guess that's the end of him, man. <laughs> These three staring up at, like, Valens taking off are like J.K. Simmons at the end of Burn After Reading. It's like, well, what, what did we, we learn? <laughs> to not let it happen again. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, it is just like, I guess, uh, I'm not sure what happened, but it seems to be over. Jackson's going, yeah, kid, I, I guess I mean, maybe I, I guess it's on solo's problem now right because uh, <laughs> yeah amaza like, oh, says it's over for us for han's friend with the droids <laughs> i wonder do you think this book will ever get back to the main character of star wars nah. <laughs> i can't imagine i will say though i legit do think the last panel of this book is badass oh it is straight out of something out of like a judge dread comic or like any of yeah. those like uh, it's British it's, like horror comics. Yeah, the, the, the 2000 AD 2000 kind of AD stuff. Yeah. stuff. Yeah, yeah, or heavy or, metal. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it, but it further adds this juxtaposition of it's so gnarly. It's so sci-fi body horror for once again a book where we just cut 
from this bucket hat guy, the flapper girl, and the cartoon rabbit to a man literally pulling skin off his face to reveal his robot skeleton. So, John, this book all over the place. What year did the first Terminator come out? 1984. So this predates the first predates Terminator, Terminator movie by like f- right. five years. Wow. Yeah. 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 No, well, we can talk about James Cameron and whether or not he lost certain lawsuits about copyright infringement. <laughs> uh, That's fair. Because, yeah, these last two panels yeah. we have... Uh, while the fleeing craft, while in the fleeing craft cockpit, Valance claws compulsively at his face. Just like I love the idea that he's talking to himself and he's just like scratching at his face, peeling skin off. It's so I hardcore. Re- I mean, obviously they have it now, I, I, but I, but I mean, I'm like saying, like I, I will say, coming out of this, I'm like I kind of like Valance. He's interesting, actually. It's so weird that you would then send him after the goofiest characters in this book, but. Uh, he is cool, and I, I'm I'm glad they've kept this character alive, um, because I do like him. Uh, but yeah, and and I do like he goes. I never should have used the arm. And he's, he hates himself for having technological upgrades and stuff like. I mean, he is. He's a straight up like cyberpunk bad guy. Well, because we get this last these last captions here that says, "And a terrible secret." It is for the robot hater living with the fact that at the Tellos 4 medical station, half his body was replaced with cybernetic parts. Terrible for being a cyborg only makes Valance more determined that the hunt shall go on. I mean, it's a cool idea to think this guy would actually rather be dead than part machine, right? Like, I mean, that's... But also he doesn't have that much to just, like, end himself, right? Right. Right, right, where it is like, and so I'm going to take out my anger by destroying other pieces of technology. Like, this guy, there's a compelling sci-fi movie just in this guy. Forget being even part of the Star Wars universe. Sure. But then when you add him to that, and he's just like, I'm going to, for the my own sick thrill, start blasting droids and people who make them. Well, Holy shit. And it speaks to, like, you totally have real-world allegories of this sort of thing. Like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. how many politicians have, like, forwarded anti-whatever agendas, whether it oh, be, like, race or gender identity or what have you, only to find out later that they are, like, self-hating, it's, tr- uh, like, it, homophobes it's so, and whatnot. It's so commonplace, we have to start from that assumption now, almost, right? Yeah. Like, it's just, it, it, so, no, it it, it is... I I'm I'm on board for more Valance. I also love the 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 shimmering of his hand and the gold inlays of it. Oh, it mm-hmm. looks cool. I I I want I want just that last panel. Actually, I would I would put that up as a as an art print. Uh, and next issue, I can't believe we're already here. The Empire strike. Oh, not strikes back. They're just gonna strike. That's the thing that second movie never tells you, John, is like, we never, this is when they're striking back. We never saw them strike first. That's all I'm saying. It's true. It's true. Uh, So (laughs) the Empire will strike next week on the show. Yeah. uh, Just, we're going to, Valance is going to take a backseat for a little while. He'll be back. Don't worry. But like, this is kind of a, a, this is kind of a fill-in issue in between story arcs. Oh, good. Already. Perfect. I mean, look. It's something we confronted at the start of this book when we were covering the adaptation of A New Hope, right? Is like, okay, we know what happens in that movie. And by the time they're making this comic book, it's pretty clear that there's going to be a second Star Wars movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's actively being written at this point. Right. 
So there's only so much they can do with our main characters, or at least their perception their perception is there's only so much we can do with our main characters. They can't advance their plots or character arcs almost at all, really. Right. And one of the advantages that the modern Marvel Star Wars comics had when they were writing in those chunks of time between A New Hope and Empire or Empire and uh, Return of the Jedi, as the case is right now, is Mm -hmm. we know what the end point is. And so you can create a natural arc that fits between those two poles that you're already aware of. If you're writing that with no idea of where these characters have to end up, but just knowing that it's probably not going to be what you're writing, it makes for a much more difficult time. So you have to start introducing cartoon rabbits and weird cyborg bounty hunters. And this is also a time when this is all just tie in, you know, make a buck, right? Nobody's actually expecting this to be like canon or in any way advance the universe or introduce things. George Lucas isn't looking at this comic and going, hey, the comics did this cool thing. Maybe we could implement that in the movie somehow. And the way now we're so used to everything being multimedia, the way the comics feed the cartoons, feed the live action and back and forth. Um, back then it was all just, here's a Star Wars thing and we can make some money on it. Not to say the peop- you know, the Marvel people are taking it seriously, but... To the movie studio, whatever, that's some money in our pocket. Right, exactly. At the same time, Splinter of the Mind's Eye is coming out, and people are going like, oh, is this going to be the the sequel to a Star Wars? And everyone's shaking their head going, no. Splinter of the Mind's Eye is a weird thing that we'll get to when we do an episode about it at some point, but that was the weird, like, if it doesn't work, here's the sequel. Right. Well, I mean, I even want to talk about the comic book that was done years back that is the Star Wars, right? That was like of the original uh, treatments that Lucas had. Yes, yes, which is endlessly fascinating. Yeah. Um, so, no, there, there, there's, there's, I don't know if you guys know this, there's a lot of Star Wars stuff out there. There's a lot of Star Wars stuff out there, and we'll, we'll be getting more into it as we go on. But now, for now, we're back in the 70s. We're going to soak in the 70s for a little while. Mm-hmm. But I, I think we might do a little bit more jumping around here in the near future as well. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. I think it's it's fun to 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 see what else is out there. And, and you know, also, I don't want my brain to melt. <laughs> <laughs> too much of these of any comics from this era are a little bit like I feel like too much of any comics from any era can get you a little tunnel vision so jumping around is probably healthy it's true it's true <laughs> alright well if you want to reach out to us uh, you can do that we have our uh, our, our social media uh, links in the description below but of course the word, uh, made the panel uh, on uh, Instagram and Twitter and uh, we have our email address for all our uh, podcasts, which is punch up and punch up ENT. At Just, like the tree folk. Just like the tree folk. Just like the tree folk. And of course, the best way to support the show <laughs> is to get exclusive bonus content and help us out over at our Podbean patron page. That's patron.podbean.com slash punch up. Uh, there we do all kinds of exclusive bonus shows and you can help improve this show on a regular basis. Absolutely. Uh, and you can get all sorts of bonus content over there, including commentary episodes from the Action Shelf, uh, one-shot episodes of Material Components, and I am sure we're going to have some Star Wars stuff on there coming around the corner here soon we're enough. We're talking about Star Wars stuff on there, absolutely. So mm-hmm. yeah, stay tuned for that. Of course, if you're watching this on YouTube, make sure you like, comment, subscribe, and ring that bell for your notifications. Tongle the dongle, all that good stuff. Uh, who are your favorite 
Marvel, Star Wars, like, side comic book characters. There are plenty of characters, Star Wars characters, that have only ever been in comic book form. And I'd, I'd be curious to hear what folks think. Is it, you know, Dr. Afra stands out there? Do we have any Cade Skywalker fans? We'll see what we're up to. Sure, sure. They're out there. Yeah. Uh, so that's going to wrap up this episode, though. Absolutely. As always, I have been Mike Gargoni. I'm John Campbell. And may the panel be with you. Thank you.